0: from a deadly head-on collision, a man descends into a hellish realm to hide from heaven's beckoning light. God can rescue him from the darkness, but escaping hell is only the beginning. The greatest test comes as he confronts his broken relationships and sees himself and others in truth. On this week's episode of the Love Your Story podcast and week two of Storytime, we welcome Sheldon Lawrence, author of Hearts of the Fathers. Stay tuned as we get to know him and get to know the book and see if you get what so many others have gotten out of this book, a changed desire to really live and a greater trust in God's love. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. It's the season of gratitude and holiday prep. To aid in your holiday prep, I am sharing with you in each November episode a book I think shares an important message and maybe will make a gift-giving experience easier for you and more fun. So last week was Six and Spider Jungle. That was a kid's book about accepting everyone with all their wonderful differences. And this week we get a little more serious as the author of Hearts of the Fathers, Sheldon Lawrence, joins me for a preview of his book. This book was inspired by research of hundreds of near-death experiences. And this book has transformed the way I view potential spiritual growth in a universe grounded in God's love. Sheldon has put into fictional form, which is really interesting, because it's often the funnest form of reading, a possible look at what life after death might entail. Now, the first time I read this book, I loved it because it aligned with my strong personal belief that we will continue to grow And learn and progress after this life. And it's also really illustrated to me how the energy, good or bad, that we create here and now travels with us as we leave this world. I'm excited to share this book with you because it's going to give you some serious food for thought. A little bit about Sheldon. Sheldon Lawrence, he teaches writing at BYU-Idaho. His award-winning personal essays have appeared in various journals and magazines, And he earned his Ph.D. in English at Idaho State University, where he specialized in the writing of spiritual autobiography. He lives with his wife and four children in Rexburg, Idaho, and he is the author of the spiritual novel, Hearts of the Fathers. And today he's here to talk with us about it. Sheldon, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to get the inside view of this book. So let's just start out. Where did the idea for the book come from?
1: So as as you mentioned, I have been a, a student of near death experiences for a, a good part of my life. I've read hundreds and researched them.
0: Do you mind if I ask why?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I I ask myself that question a fair amount. Like you know, why am I drawn to these? Um, and you know, it started when I was uh, in you know a teenager. So I lived in West Yellowstone, Montana, and. There was uh, something that happened, uh, um, you know, if, because it's it's Yellowstone and, and it was the winter and a lot of snowmobilers are, are up there uh, in the mountains and it can be quite dangerous. Well, anyway, there was an avalanche that uh, killed a couple of snowmobilers and I kind of had this, um, you know, you, death is you, you hear about death all the time as a child and it doesn't really sink in, but this was that moment when I was old enough to really identify and comprehend the fact that that there were two guys snowmobiling up in this mountain that I knew and had been to hundreds of times. And they were caught in an avalanche and now they were gone and they were they were just dead. And for some reason that that impacted me, just the the gravity and the finality of that. And, um, I went kind of searching for answers i mean i I grew up religious with a religious education, so I you know I believed in God and things like that. but the afterlife, anything like that was just so vague and indistinct it it my notions of it didn't really give any comfort and I ran into accounts of near death experiences and was just fascinated that there were people out there who had caught a glimpse of you know what where we go and what happens after we die. And I, I found it a, a tremendous amount of comfort at that time and have also, you know, throughout uh, my life, I, I, I mean, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit because I like I, said, I I'm trying to work it out myself, but you know, sometimes when I talk to other religious people who are not really interested in near death experiences, there's almost a sense of skepticism. Like, well, why, why do you need this? Like, why, why aren't the scriptures enough? And I've wondered about that, and um, you know the scriptures are great, and that. that, But there's something about near-death experiences that, you know, you a a skeptic of religion could say if when people go seeking God, they're going to find something. You know, we tend to find what we're looking for. We, the whole idea of confirmation bias. We're, you know, we're going to to find the evidence we're looking for. Uh, because we want it, we want to believe. Um, a lot of times with near-death people who have near-death experiences, they they aren't religious mm-hmm. to begin with. They they weren't seeking God. They weren't on some kind of spiritual journey. They just had a heart attack, or they got in a car wreck, or they mm-hmm. they had some something that that put them on the very edge of death, and they come back with this tremendous belief and testimony and this whole worldview turned upside down and to me that uh, the, the the power of that uh, means something to me because they they weren't seeking it you know they weren't out looking for an experience they it happened to them and it transformed them.
0: You and I are kindred spirits in this search. I have also read hundreds of them. In fact, I found someone who did a dissertation on life after death, and they had actually compiled Mm. 250 life after death experiences. And of course, because those are very personal, some of the names were left out, but they Mm -hmm. had actually compiled that into a book form and published it. And it was fascinating to see that many right next to each other, one Mm -hmm. after the Mm -hmm. other, after the other, because I think our tendency when we are or at least my tendency is to compare what is the same with each of these experiences and what is different with each of these experiences because there are so many, you know, yeah. different ones and i think your point is excellent regarding right. the fact that so many people who have those experiences oftentimes come from atheistic spaces or you know something where they had no experience at all and that's fascinating also because when they come back, it is a whole different story. They have been to a space and have an understanding. Mm-hmm. And plus, I think the reason that I have searched them out is because, you know, the scriptures are lovely. But the, the trek of faith is one of seeking and learning. And mm-hmm. I am all about just greater understanding. I think there are seekers in the world. And seekers want to know and understand and see, you know, what they have. And if people are having experiences where they can go to the other side of death. And then come back and have something to say about it. I mean, yes. that's that's the big unknown, right? I mean, right. part of the reason <laughs> death is feared so much is because we don't know what's on mm-hmm. the other side of that. And mm-hmm. so to have people who have been there and come back, I, I think that's completely peaceful and normal to seek yeah. after that greater understanding. So
1: Yeah, you know, if if um <clears throat> if you want to know what's going on, in Hawaii, um, you can read pamphlets and books, but you also want to talk to somebody who's been there, <laughs> you know, right. yeah. and you know, and it's normal that uh, continuing with that metaphor, if, if two people go to Hawaii, they're going to have different experiences. They're going to eat different mm-hmm. food. They're going to have different adventures. They're going to see different sites. And so, you know, some people are, are unsettled that near death experiences aren't all the same and have a report on the exact same phenomenon or, or whatever. And, And I just think, well, of course, of course, they're not. Uh, The other side is extremely diverse. People are diverse in their perceptions and the way they, um, you know, experience and and discuss their experience. So,
0: well, and I think that that idea is fascinating by itself. The fact that you would go to the other side quote unquote, right. And, Mm -hmm. and that it would be different for different people. And yet you illustrate that so beautifully in the book and the difference as the way you've written it into the book has to do with, you know, the people you're met by and what you did on earth and, you know, the learning space and vibration that you're at and entering Mm -hmm. the next life, you know, at that same vibrational level, and then being able to, you know, grow as you see fit. And, you know, as you want to. And I don't want to give any, you know, real spoilers of the book, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we can really get into it fully without discussing some of the things that are so fascinating about the book. And one of the things that I love about it is one of the things that I've never been comfortable about in the Doctrine and Covenants, which is a book of scripture in the LDS church, is that it talks about the different degrees of glory and that you earn them and then you stay within them. And Mm -hmm. to me, and I, you know, granted, I do not have all understanding, but to me, I feel like the God that we know and trust and love is one of growth and eternal growth, and that He will let us keep growing as much as we are able and desirous to grow. I don't think that would be capped even in the next life. And I felt like you illustrated that really, really well in this book that as much as we are willing to go and grow and change our vibrational level, that he wants that for us and would continue to help us do that and because i believe that very strongly from a personal place i super loved your book and the way that was illustrated so can i just ask you tell us a little bit about the character and you know what what goes on in the story and how you came to to create him
1: uh yeah so the character which um interestingly uh, I guess I say interesting because I didn't really plan this, uh, but he he remains nameless uh, throughout the book. (laughs) You know, as far as how I came to, I'll I'll back up a little bit there, and I just I don't want to say it was a vision, but there was there was a moment when I was kind of pondering this and really thinking through kind of the things that you had talked about, like what what does it actually look like? Well, there's actually two contradictory ideas. One is that you get assigned to a kingdom and there you are forever, and then there's this idea that you can repent. In the afterlife, you can accept truth, you can progress, and so the question I asked, what does that actually look like what What would it look like for someone who 's in a in a dark place and I kind of almost had this vision of this lost soul in this this dim, dark realm uh, who wanted something more uh, and, and but didn 't quite know how to get there and I just became curious like who who is this person what would it look like what, what what do they want how how could they get out of that place that they're in and um and that was and i just i just started writing and it just came you know <laughs> it's fun when the ideas just start coming and and pretty soon who this person was and what he wanted and why he was there and how he might get out of there it just started to to kind of unfold Really? And yeah. Yeah. It was. It was quite. I mean, I don't claim a lot of inspiration, right? <laughs> I, I'm not one of these people who just is always downloaded. But um, it writing that it was, it was like I was on the journey with him. I didn't quite know where he was going next until, you know, I'd finish a chapter and all of a sudden the the next stage would come into view, and it was just exciting.
0: That is so uh, cool, and even better than I suspected, because true, <laughs> truly, Sheldon, when I read this book. Every time it goes, like it's just so creatively rich and, you know, the afterlife is something that's really hard to pin down, but it is creatively rich in taking into account the love of God, but the patience of God and the the foibles of just the human heart and mind. And it's woven together so beautifully as you watch this spirit grow and his heart turn, you know, God and his his guardians and his angels help Mm -hmm. him as he seeks to learn and do some of this stuff. And it's just, it's so well written. The flow is so lovely. And I, as a writer, as a fellow writer, I have been in that state of flow only a couple of times. I wish it would come all the time because (laughs) it is a super cool place to be. I mean, it truly is. It's like, you're not even doing the work. It's just coming through (laughs) you. And it always turns out lovely.
1: It was, it's fun to be surprised by your own writing. You know, and speaking to your early point, this idea of a patient God um, who wants us to progress. I just can't imagine that that God would ever say, you know, oops, you've, you've hit a glass ceiling, you know, sorry, Right. <laughs> even though you want to keep going, you, you can't, you blew it. I can't either. Um, and so I, you know, it's, it's, we, we are the ones who are going to stop ourselves. We, we, we damn, so to speak ourselves with our, by getting trapped in certain thought patterns or habits or sure. addictions and things like that. And, and I think that, uh, a loving and merciful God is constantly inviting us into a higher way of being and and i don't think that that really stops i don't think that there are are limits on that and it's interesting that's actually you know overall i've, I've gotten good feedback from the book but those who had some issues with parts that was the thing that they had issues with i they, they were concerned about this idea of uh, progressing and that this guy who started off as kind of a you know a, an unpleasant kind of nasty character um could go as high as as he did, I guess. And uh, that was their concern. I just think that's that's just an interesting um, controversy, I guess.
0: And you know what? It's, it's the thing that makes the book so powerful to me because it's something that I deeply believe in. The nature of God, the very nature of the God that we believe in is one of growth and light and love. And so to picture anything where... I mean, and it's also testimony building to myself from, you know, from my own foibles and my own growth and my own lack of understanding that there is a patient God who is there. And as I seek, I I can be taught. And that's also in the scriptures, you know, mm-hmm. seek yes. and you shall be given. It, it's up to you. And, you know, one of the things also about from a religious standpoint, that life after mm-hmm. death idea is that. When the judgment, we talk about judgment, and there's this concept of judgment is not as you know as harsh as God damns you to hell, but but mm-hmm. rather that you will go to where you feel comfortable. And the idea mm-hmm. of you going to your own vibrational level with others that are at that vibrational level, and that you will choose to basically navigate to that space of the universe of. We know it. Whatever that mm-hmm. is, realm.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Um, that makes sense to me, also, because mm-hmm. you know, I I don't see God hauling people off in chains, and it totally makes sense from a universal energy perspective mm-hmm. of people navigating toward those places of comfort. But then you also really want to believe in the option that if you want to, and many people won't want to, right? Like they're going to find complete comfort in you know somewhere in the middle. Or maybe yeah, even yeah, somewhere right. in the bottom. But mm-hmm. if there are souls who, you know, at some point in all eternity want to, you know, up level, want to find something better, want to seek something more, it just seems like the nature of God is would allow that.
1: Yes. Right. You know, and if you think about just our our life works that way, you know, think about the things that brought joy and pleasure to you as a child. You know, at some mm-hmm. point, those kind of lost their meaning. They stopped being as fun as they used to be. And we ask the question, well, okay, well, what else is there? What, what more is there? Mm. I just think that that sense of progression uh, continues. And even for those um, spirits who are in what we would call darker realms and who have carried on some maybe uh, addictions or really negative uh, emotional states. Um, you know, I, I think that there is, and I don't know how, how all that works out obviously, but I, I think there's a sense in which um, they also become bored and this is, you know, they, they, they realize that this is uh, a dead end or they're trapped Mm -hmm. or that Mm -hmm. it's just that there must be something more. Um, And, you know, so the book is really inspired by the um, near death experiences I read. And one of those interesting ones is in return from tomorrow. There's this scene where he, he, he's looking upon this sort of vast dark plains of, what you would call hell or spirit prison. And these, these spirits are down there arguing and bickering and fighting and, and just, you know, just all this negative energy down there. And he's, he just, he said, he felt sorry looking upon this, these kind of lost souls. He felt sorry for them, but then he looked up and he noticed uh, above them. There were these angels of light ready, just ready for the moment that any one of them, questioned what they were doing or wanted something more or sought some kind of truth or redemption or wholeness, they were ready to sweep down and help them. Uh, But, you know, they're just waiting for that, that moment when they could somehow penetrate. Super interesting. Yeah.
0: You know, the other thing that I think is also gives us real credibility is that one of the things God never messes with is our agency. And, Mm -hmm. Throughout the way that this book is written and this idea that we're talking about of agency being maintained throughout all of eternity, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is something that we do believe in and that yeah. is, like you say, same thing with this life, right? Mm-hmm. He, we always have our agency. We can always choose a lower vibrational level, and but he's always waiting there. For us, if we want to um, let more light in, if we want to let more love in, if we want to think more positive thoughts, if we want to learn something new, if we want to seek after those things, he will help us to find those. But it is always about agency, about yes. our choice. And I can't imagine that being any different in the next life because mm-hmm. our that agency is critical to the growth of a soul. And therefore, it aligns really well with what you're talking about, um, the, the soul's choice to, do I want to keep being in this soul-sucking, dark, unhappy yeah. space? And for how mm-hmm. many eons and eternities do I want yeah. to do that until I right. start thinking, you know, is there something that might be a little more interesting than this?
1: Well, and yeah, and even it happens at the higher levels too, right? In the in the book, he was in some realms that weren't all that bad, you know, that actually might be quite appealing. And, and even in those higher realms, or I guess maybe medium <laughs> yeah. realms, there are so many joys and delights, and I think that that's actually part of the joy of the journey. It's not necessarily mm. just like, I think so, there's something in our ego that wants to learn, I'm, I'm going to go straight to the highest heaven because I'm, I'm just going to be so righteous. And I just don't think that's how it works. Um, <laughs> we you know we don't go from kindergarten to you know college graduate. There's all these levels in between, and we need to learn the lessons of each one of those. That's, that I makes think, perfect what, sense to me what's what's going on in the afterlife? you know in this you know brought you brought up the idea of being stuck in a kingdom and i just want to I don't want to necessarily open that can of worms, but I would like to point out that that itself is a you know that's a a point of discussion that's not a settled issue um Terrell Gibbons, the scholar Terrell Gibbons, has done some interesting work showing that uh, the idea of progression through kingdoms has been part of uh LDS Church uh, doctrine from the beginning. Uh, you know, Ooh, it has, I'd love to read that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not something where, oh, well, so and so said that it's not true, therefore it's not. It's actually something that's kind of been open for discussion.
0: In the book, you bring up the idea that we inherit baggage from our ancestors, right? This idea of turning the hearts to the fathers, that kind of idea. So tell me about why you think that is real. I'm, I'm familiar with the concept. It's not Mm -hmm. one that I have any proof or, you know, uh, (laughs) that that it's a real thing, but I know, you know, I know that it's something that's talked about and considered. So this idea of us carrying baggage of our ancestors and it being passed on through our DNA.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: Tell me your thoughts about that.
1: Well, you know, we hear about these this whole—I don't know if controversy is the right word—but this this dilemma of well, why are we the way we are? Is it nature or is it nurture? Is it is it genetics or is it how we're brought up? Um, or if to bring in a religious dimension, is it our spirit? You know, what, what, how mm-hmm. does that affect things? But just taking the nature and nurture thing, you know, both of those things are, are obviously true. It's both, but but both of them are so deeply affected by our our ancestry, you know, our, the cultural environment of our home, we are picking up on baggage and also light and good things, but baggage of what our parents inherited and what they inherited from their parents and on back to the generations.
0: So do you think it's nature or through the DNA? I mean, nurture, you think it's nurture? I think it's
1: both. And I, and you know, and you, you really can't separate the two. Uh, Science has shown that even Things that happen to us in our life, uh, trauma, and that sort of thing can affect our DNA. It affects us biologically. And uh, that can be passed on, um, whether through genetic coding or just through kind of the mindset mentality, uh, it is passed on. But, you know, either way, in that dilemma, we do not come into life a blank slate. This isn't even a controversial doctrine or theological proposition, it's a scientific fact. We do not come into this world. Pure innocent Blake slates. We carry baggage, <clears throat> and and that's not like original sin or anything. That uh, it's just it's just a fact, and, and, that, and that's part of the beauty of the challenge. We we our ancestors kind of took the ball down the field uh, a little ways, and, and we're born and we pick it up and we we see what we can do with it. We try and uh, progress with it. But, so um, in yeah. the
0: book, in the book, you, the title comes from Malachi, right? The hearts of the fathers will turn to mm-hmm. the children, and the hearts of the children will turn to the fathers. This idea in the book is kind of exploring it from a spiritual level of mm-hmm. the need for us spiritually on both sides to look after each other, to help mm-hmm. each other through, and to get past the baggage. And once we do that, we are helping our entire. Lineage, right? I mean, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Human communities. uh, The scriptures talk about the body of Christ. We as individuals, we're part of of communities. We're part of this larger body. It's it's like we're part of a larger organism, and we we aren't not saved without each other. You know, we we um, our hearts must. The generations must turn toward one another and and i don't think we can be just saved all by ourselves we have to engage in the work of um helping others and and so to to take this idea of sort of uh, intergenerational issues you know if we had some ancestor maybe that that did something truly traumatic and damaging and that that trauma that negativity was passed on to the next generation and it was passed on there well the, the idea of repentance is uh, you can't fully repent until some kind of restitution has been made, right? Until the consequences of your, your mistake have somehow been corrected. Well, if the consequences of that mistake are generational, uh, what does that soul do who's gone on to heaven and you know, or you know, to the afterlife and they've repented, they've seen the error of their ways? Well, the consequence of that choice is, is still reverberating in their living offspring. <laughs> and so how do they fully repent? Well, when, when we take on that, trauma that we maybe didn't cause, but inherited. And we do the work, the inner work of, of repenting, of dealing with that, of, of changing our hearts. I think, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that it liberates them in some way that when we, when we repent or when we, when we overcome something that they passed on to us, it has a liberating effect to them. It has an exalting effect to them and to us. It's this mutual edification. And, and I I see that is is what it means when the hearts are turning to uh, the hearts, the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, we look upon one another, not as this kind of blaming thing. Like, you know, you you ruined me, you know, this Freudian, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you you ruined me because of my childhood or whatever, but just the sense of gratitude, like, wow, you had a hard life. You tried, tried the best you could. Um, Yeah, I did inherit some baggage from that, but I'm going to do what I can to work through that. And we will rise together. And I just see, that this, you know, this this interconnected family type salvation where we're
0: lifting one another and, and no, not blaming. Part of the reason that I really love the way that this plays out in your book and also in this discussion is that that hasn't always been a scripture that I understood. And in the book and speaking with you about it, it makes sense to me. I mean, it really does. The book clarifies a lot of things for me and just my own spiritual understanding, which is why I I really, really enjoy it. I wanted to quote something here off page seven, if you don't mind. It says, I used to believe that we were all individuals dealing with our own problems, making our own way, succeeding or failing based on our own merits. But I was wrong. I have come to know that we are not separate. We are parts of the same whole, a living organism. One of us is not saved without the other, and so on through the generations. When one is lifted, the entire organism is lifted. When one falls, the entire human family feels it. Unquote. And that that was the protagonist of the book speaking. Mm. And I think that kind of sums up what we're talking about here. But you know, in, in the past, the that scripture from Malachi of the hearts, of it being absolutely crucial. That the hearts of the fathers turn to the children, and that the hearts of the children turn to the fathers, in order for existence to unfold yeah. as it needs to in a yeah. positive way. And to me, I was always like, "Yeah." When you know, <laughs> what am I? Sp- you know, if I'm not doing my genealogy, am I? You know, am I in that <laughs> right. boat. But this, that this discussion right here really like clarifies that idea on a much deeper level and a much more meaningful level of our connection with our line, with the people that we're tied to. And this also I liked in the book, how the people that you are tied to through lineage, through birth, your ancestors really have a stake in who you are, as you have a stake in who they are. And so when you're looking at guardian angels and people mm-hmm. that are there yeah. to help and lift and guide and protect, that those would be the people that, you know, walk and help and support. And that just all makes sense to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, may, yeah. it helps that scripture make more sense to me as well.
1: Well, you know, in that scripture it says, uh, lest the whole earth be smitten with a curse. It's not just like, um, you know, this is a good idea if you get around to it, but like this is this is the essence of what's going to save the the human family and the planet. Um, without that that turning of hearts, um, it's you know, it's kinda like the whole thing is, is for nothing. And this idea of, you know, doing work for our ancestors and things like that, um, it's not just a mechanical, you know, check off the list, but it's it's a heart
0: thing. It's um I like that so much. So we are just getting to the end here and needing to close up, but Mm -hmm. do you have any final thoughts about the book or this character or things that you want us to know about this topic?
1: Maybe a parting thought is I think interest in the afterlife um, is is not this kind of, you know, sometimes it gets lumped into this either macabre uh, fascination with death or this kind of interest in the paranormal, like, oh, you know, you, you probably like ghost stories and UFOs too, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not that it's, C.S. Lewis has a great quote and I'm, I don't have it before me, so I'm probably going to mess it up, but
0: I love C.S. Lewis, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he says, you know, it's good to be interested in heaven. You know, a lot of people talk about the here and now, like, you know, it's all about the here and now. And, and I, and I value that. And that's, that's true. You know, he says it's it's good to be interested in heaven. If you shoot for heaven, you'll get the earth and everything thrown in. And if you sh- just shoot for earth in this life, then then you lose that as well. And so there's this idea of you know being interested in in the end, not even the end game, but just kind of where we're going and and what's going on here. I th- I think it is a valuable thing to. Um, to research and be interested in, you know, whether through near-death experiences or or other means, but just pondering, like you know, this life is fragile and it's short. That's you know, that's one thing I've taken from reading so many near-death experiences. You mm-hmm. you find out all the ways that people can die, <laughs> yeah. and how sudden and unexpected it is. Life is fragile, and and we need to um, be thinking of these bigger issues. The the medieval. You know, monks in the Middle Ages had this saying, um, memento mori, this Latin, uh, remember you will die. And they would recite this. This Mm -hmm. was kind of a mantra that they would repeat, remember you will die. Uh, The Buddha had his monks meditate in cemeteries among rotting corpses uh, because just the spiritual life is a life in which you constantly remember that life is short and, you know, that there is something more than this. And we need to be asking those questions and kind of thinking about that big picture.
0: Well, and if for no other reason, like I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the afterlife, but Mm -hmm. understanding it, having an increased understanding, even just from what I've gained from your book, right? That let's say the way that you've portrayed it here has some sense of reality of, you know, Mm -hmm. what it will be like. To me, that gives me enough peace and an increased trust in the love of the Lord and His desire for us to grow and I know of my own desire to learn and grow that mm-hmm. it all, almost lets me file it away and say okay I can focus right now on learning and growing because I'm not afraid I'm not afraid mm-hmm. that if I don't make perfection right now yes. that I'm you know that there's some kind of punishment instead mm-hmm. I can just file it away that I know I'm comfortable With what potentially you know the rest of eternity may hold, and so I can focus right now where I need to be.
1: Well, I just you know exactly. I I love what you're saying, and that reminds me that the thing that really has that I love about near-death experiences, and that one of the things that really drew me to them um, was not just an interest in the afterlife, but that so many of them almost almost without an exception, they talk about the overwhelming sense of love and acceptance Mm -hmm. that they feel. It's just it. They they say they can't put it into words. They say there's just there's nothing on earth that is is like it. This overwhelming sense of love. I have noticed that too. Everything that I've read that's the same
0: thing. Yeah.
1: And yeah, and non-judgment and that just that's that's really comforting. And it puts the whole idea of God's love in a different light that um that, I know. That, that is real, you know.
0: It's hopeful. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, Sheldon, thank you so much. And where can they get your book if they want your book?
1: Uh, so, the best thing to do really is just to go on to Amazon.com and search for Hearts of the Fathers by Sheldon Lawrence.
0: Perfect. And it'll yeah. also be in the show notes here. I'll have the link so you can get on loveyourstorypodcast.com and go to the show notes for this episode for the link to his book. And we thank you for being here today with us, Sheldon. Have a great holiday.
1: All right. You too. Thank you.
0: As we wrap up November, I've given you three great ideas for holiday gift books. Of course, there's my book, The 21 Day Challenges in the book, Life, Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day. Heck, I say order one of those for everybody on your gift list. They can start out the new year with this fabulous workbook of 21 challenges. All you have to do is get on Amazon and type in LIFE in capital letters, and then my name, Lori Lee, and it'll pop right up. And then there is the one we did last week. There is Six and Spider Jungle by Jeff Olson, if you have any children on your gift list. You can get that download for free. He'll send it to you. You can get his email on the show notes of loveyourstorypodcast.com. And then of course, today's book, Hearts of the Fathers. There's something for everyone on your list. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to yours. And may you create a Thanksgiving story that's full of magic and happy moments out there. Remember to count your blessings every day. It's the key to abundant living And I'll see you in a couple of weeks on the next episode of the Love Your Story podcast.